Hey there, and welcome to Ensuing Confusion, which is an actual play podcast where a group of friends plays tabletop RPGs together. Uh, we tell stories, unexpected things happen, and we deal with it in even more unexpected ways, and we just have ourselves a very good time. Uh, I am Connor Sheridan. You can follow me uh, on Twitter at C underscore Sheridan if you like. I will be the uh, the game master today, and I have three players. Uh, Cleric? Um, hi, I'm Cleric. Uh, I like playing games. Games are rad, kind of. <laughs> uh, Catherine? Hi, I'm Catherine, and on the internet, nobody knows that I'm not a world-famous lingerie model. <laughs> That's right. That is accurate. And Kitty? <laughs> Hi, I am Kitty, and even on the internet, everyone knows I'm not a world-famous lingerie model. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, just laying it out. Uh, <laughs> all right, so today we will be playing the first session of our Scum and Villainy game, uh, which is a Forged in the Dark role-playing game by uh, Strash Asimovic, I think that's how you pronounce the name, and uh, John LaBeouf Little. Uh, this is a um, sort of a sci-fi hack of Blades in the Dark, although it's its own fully developed product. And it also has its own very cool setting that kind of blends all kinds of sci-fi elements. You know, there's a little, little Star Wars, a little Firefly. We will not actually be using that setting because we, over the last few sessions we met up, uh, put together our own world using the Microscope game. Um, which was a lot of fun. We made ourselves a little history of a uh, uh, a place in the sky where you know the some sort of fracturing event had resulted in these landbergs being suspended in the air, uh, cultures developing on them, and eventually these uh, these skyships coming into vogue, allowing people to to travel once again and kind of kind of kicking off a, a golden age of sail with, you know, the sailing ships were, were cool retro tech sky ships. Uh, so that is the setting we'll be using. Uh, and I think we should probably start uh, before we get too deep into the exposition of the world just by introducing everybody's characters real quick. So let's go through in the same order. Uh, Cleric, could you tell us a little bit about your character, you know, their, their playbook and what... Uh, you know, a little bit of their look and that kind of thing. Just a, just a quick introduction. Uh, yeah, my character is named Myriad Starspindle. And they are the muscle. Um, they're small, but intimidating. And they use a carbon fiber cane. That's great. Love it. Uh, that, I like that name too, Myriad Starspindle. It'll be, uh, oh, uh, and while you're at it, could you tell us um, just a little bit about where they're from? You don't have to go into the, the full details of it, but just a, just a snapshot. Uh, they're from a landberg called Arbolan, uh, which is a small landberg dominated mostly by dense forest and giant trees, and people like live in the treetops to escape like the creatures down below. All right. Uh, we'll add that to the map in just a second, uh, but I think we'll have everybody introduce theirs first, uh, their characters and and homes. Uh, Catherine, please tell us a little bit about your character. 
Hi, today I'm playing Gadget. She is the best mechanic on the ship, the onlyest mechanic, actually. <laughs> um, she's a genius that can build a computer out of duct tape and spare lawnmower parts. But her uh, genius tends to make her see connections where none exist. She might be a little bit of a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> uh, I will keep that in mind and give her plenty of things to theorize about. <laughs> um... Oh, uh, I should make sure I get all of your characters' pronouns. Uh, so Gadget is she, her? Yes. How about uh, Myriad? They, them. They, them. Cool. Uh, and where is Gadget from? Uh, she is from Sabita. Um, this landberg is known for the expansive sand seas. Um, the people out there uh, fish out in the sand seas. Uh, fish swim through these sand seas. Um, it's uh, an arid area. Okay. Uh, and Kitty, please tell us a little bit about your character and, and where they come from. Well, I am playing a character named Quell Quickcall. And Quell is from the land bird called Dime. Dime is actually named after the famed Mercury Dime. But the people of Dime don't actually know what a dime is because we are in the far future post-apocalypse. So instead, they thought that Dime referred to some sort of ancient mythological deity associated with uh, sell selling and, uh, you know, correspondence and marketplaces and perhaps with earning money and other less legal fashions. Uh, but yeah, that's where Quell is from. And in fact, um, on their their town crest or their Landberg crest, they actually feature sort of that, that image of Mercury that you might see on a classic Mercury dime. Quell is a bit of a market urchin. She doesn't really recall her parents. And she has had a pretty hard scrabble life. She spent a lot of her time when she was younger working for the Junkers Guild, uh, Guild as a picker, and she's good at it. She always seemed to have a unique knack, an uncanny knack for locating high quality objects, objects that would fetch a good price or that could be used in a number of ways. And so she got a lot of work that way. In fact, that's how she got her last name, Quick Call, because she was always quick to call out some sort of amazing find. Uh, they just attributed it to her being particularly fortunate or having sharp eyes. But in fact, what it was is that Quell is a mystic. Quell has an attunement to the spirits that populate this, this world. Um, and she is really good at working with them to find these items, especially her, her little friend, a, a moth-like spirit called Lax. So she tends to just operate in a way that we might describe as very intuitive or very innate. She is not particularly well-educated. She's not particularly tough, but she always seems to be in the right place at the right time. Uh, all right, and um, your description of the Landbergs leads me nicely into a little bit more about the the setting of this world. We in the in the vast, which is this this great sky um, where all of these these Landbergs are are floating in the air, is uh, divided into three wards by the uh, the Azure Empire, 
which is the uh, sort of the controlling uh, power. They control the space between islands, I should say. They don't really control... Or Landbergs. They're Landbergs. They're not islands. Uh, they control the space between the Landbergs. They don't really control the Landbergs in, uh, inside themselves as much um, due to, you know, some, some political moves and uh, uprisings, quelled uprisings. Oh, sorry, quell failed uprisings uh, and that sort of thing um uh, so yes we have the the four wards which are gull ward fulmer ward and turn ward um i i don't know too much offhand about what the character of them all are is so much as i i think of i think of gull ward as probably being the most like backwater of them um uh and part of that is because uh, the fourth sort of area at play here is a, a landmass known as the Reverend Assemblage, which is like this this maybe small continent-sized uh, state that it seems to be growing bigger and bigger. Um, there really isn't anything else like it, and it seems to be attracting Landbergs into it. Um, so there's some there's some tension there um, that the you know. The way of life is changing and people don't really know why there. But yeah, there's still plenty of sky out there. So yes, the, the Fulmer Ward and the Turn Ward I think are more central to uh, to the uh, Asia Empire. Um, the Gold Ward is a little bit more on the outskirts. Does anybody, just from hearing the names, uh, does anybody have uh, a spot that they'd like their, their Landberg to go? I'd like to just pop everybody's Landbergs on the map real quick just so we can have a little mm. bit of the little bit more geography here. Well, well, I base... think. Oh, sorry, you go first. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I think that Dime would probably be fairly close to the intersection of the three, simply because Dime is a, that is their purpose. They are a trading landberg. In fact, they don't really have a lot of arable land, and so they depend very heavily on trade and bringing food in in order to survive as a land bird. They do, however, have a lot of good wasteland for pickens, and they have a very interesting feature that uh, would also make them a nice place to put near the center of the intersection of those three wards. They have this uh, deep cave that a Sky River actually seems to enter. It's a huge cave, and they just call it the underworld. They call it the, the gates to the underworld, and they say that uh, there's interesting things to be found in there, but anyone who goes too deep never seems to come back. So I would say that that would probably go somewhere that would be fairly central where all the wards could come and from people from various land works could come and, and do trade and, and pick up goods, some legal, some maybe not so legal, and find work. Okay, so maybe like right there-ish on the northern side there? Yeah, that, that could work. Okay. And we can always move them around later if we need to be, if we need to, you know, we drawing maps, uh, leaving blank spaces and not worrying about the detail so much. We're just kind of giving ourselves a little idea of what's going on here. So this is time. What about Myriad, uh, Myriad's home of Arbalan and Gadget's home of uh, Sumitra, was that it? Sabita. Um, Sabita, all right. sorry. So Kitty gave a very excellent in-world explanation about where dime should be located me metagaming here i'm looking at the names of these and i'm like oh man a fulmar that looks like 
a seagull had an ugly baby with a pigeon, so naturally that's where Savita has to go. I'm glad all my years as being the primary avian keeper paid off. No, I should have I should have hit you up because I was like, I'm just gonna name these things after seabirds. So I learned a lot about seabird names as I was coming up with this. Uh, okay, so do you think kind of more in the distance on the Fulmer Ward, or maybe on the other side of the big hunk that is the Reverend Assemblage? I think it'd be farther back. Um, Sabita is mostly an arid, sandy area, so I can't imagine it'd be that valuable to the Reverend Assemblage. All right, and what about uh, Arbalan? Um, Arbalan, I think, is going to be in the Goal Ward, um, mostly cool. because... It's a very small landberg, and they only have one docking station for skyships to come and go. Um, and it's kind of like one of those rural. If if they could be rural, that would be like a rural place. <laughs> kind of shaped like a comma, huh? Or a kidney bean. I'm gonna go back and do that again. Uh, <laughs> there, that's. Yeah, no, it's shaped like a, like a potato. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Arbalan. That seemed like a good place for it. Yeah. All right. Great. So that was easy. Now look at this. We we've got ourselves a nice little map going, and uh, I have plenty of room to play with in the turn ward in terms of things I want to add in. Uh, okay, so we've met our characters we know a little bit about where they come from now it's time to talk about what really makes scum and villainy unique uh, that is the the ship that all of your characters are a crew on um, it's the reason you know you're all stuck together in these adventures that you know in the hijinks you get into it's the place that takes you from landberg to landberg that takes you into danger and ideally takes you back out of it um you know, it's ideally it's kind of a character of its own that we uh, that changes over the course of the game, and that you know we we uh, we see different sides of it. So previously, we decided that we were going to use the template of the um, the Star Dancer, I believe, um, which is sort of a smuggler, transporter, uh, stuff finder. Um, does that still sound good to everybody? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the uh, the first step we take after determining the the type of ship we want is we will have the start answer. It's probably not going to be named that, but we can think of the name of the ship later. We don't have to do it on the spot. The second thing we do is we choose a reputation, which is something you'll recognize from Blades in the Dark. Everybody here's played Blades. Um, so a nice thing, a way to think of this is don't just think of it as like something you think would be cool. Think of this as something that you would like to pursue as you play, because playing to your reputation is, you know, one of the ways you get experience. So, and you can also get experience by developing a new reputation, but you know, that'll, that'll take a little bit more work. So uh, we have some samples here, which I'll go ahead and read, but these are, these are just samples. If you have any ideas beyond them, feel free. Uh, we have ambitious, brutal, daring, honorable, professional, savvy, strange, and subtle. How do people feel about those? I'm leaning a little bit towards strange. Um, we do have a mystic on our team, 
and <laughs> Gadget is a conspiracy theorist, so I think we already have a lead over there. Mm-hmm. I don't know, what were your thoughts, Myriad? Um, I was thinking either strange or brutal. Everyone, I almost just wrote Star Dabber. <laughs> uh-huh. um, hold on, stop. That is a finalist of what we're naming our ship. And it's all your okay. fault. <laughs> yep, yep. I did this. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, uh, I think I could definitely see the argument for Strange there. Um, how about you, Quell? Uh, I think Strange might be an interesting take. I'd really like to see how that intersects with the world that we've created. You know, it's already such a strange and unusual world. It'd be wonderful to see what what really qualifies as strange. True facts. All right. Strange it is. Uh, So we have our reputation. Now we customize our ship. Uh, each ship starts with several pre-selected ship systems that reflect its focus. Uh, so you can see the Star Dancer starts with uh, a bigger hull to help carry cargo. Legal and illegal. Oh yes, yeah, so you can see it has two dots in the hull there. You choose two additional sip- chi- ship systems to improve. Your choices are between engines, hull, comms, and weapons. Uh, You may instead choose to improve crew quality, but it'll cost your crew two cred, and you will owe the folks that helped you to improve it. Now, a higher crew quality refers to the quality of gear and equipment of the crew. You'll be able to take on more powerful factions on equal footing, and can therefore handle harder jobs more easily. Not to mention, your crew will just have nicer stuff. So yes, crew quality would be, uh, is like, uh, analogous to your, um, your crew's tier in Blades in the Dark, you know, kind of represents how just sort of the quality of stuff you have you're not going to be getting like thugs working for you in this game you don't like assemble a network of um of cohorts in that way so this more represents you know the quality of your gear and the stuff you're you're ready to take on that way so we have the your hull which is you know kind of the the bulk of the ship uh how well it can take hits that kind of thing engines which is um you know, your ship's engines is what makes it go. Uh, comms, which is a little interesting here. We're going to have to do a little um, tweak here because in this world, I really don't want there to be that much wireless or long-range communication. But I do like the idea for some reason of like ships having semaphore and having <laughs> big telescopes they use to sight each other. So there are definitely things we can do with comms. You know, flares they shoot into the sky to make signals. So comms will definitely... We'll definitely be able to use that. It will definitely be a useful thing to have. We'll just have to do a little bit of thinking um, past the past the built-in stuff. Uh, and then there is weapons, which is pretty self-explanatory. It's your your cannons, the you know the stuff you would use for probably ship-to-ship combat most of the time. But you know maybe there would also be some things you could use to um, on a more personal level. Uh, so you get to and choose two of these things, or you you get to increase two of those systems or you get to increase your crew quality but um, you'll be immediately spending the two cred that you start with Um, one last thing to keep in mind is the number of your rank in each system also corresponds to how many upgrades you can have in that system so you see right now you have two hull so you have smuggling compartments and cargo hold 
you could not have any more whole modules without increasing your whole. So what does everybody feel interested in for that? I think hopefully the sheets here, yes, the sheets here do have the uh, modules that you can look at if you kind of want to get an idea for what, what each one does. And, you know, again, we'll have to do a little a little modding here to make it fit our, our world. But between, you know, old technology that uses, that uses magic and, you know, uh, lots of scavenging, lots of scrap, I think we can make most of it work. So it looks like we start with two in hull and one in engines. Is that right? Yes, that is right. Uh, and I think jump drive, I'm just going to have jump drive be like the thing that keeps your ship afloat, uh, which I was thinking uh, probably something like lift core. And uh, I'll, I'll leave it to the mechanic to to describe what these things like actually look like more, uh, because you'll be the one who's like actually having scenes with them the most. But uh, yeah, uh, I think that uh, that's what that would probably be as opposed to a jump drive, because you're not, you know, engaging in faster light than light travel from Landberg to Landberg. And I also like the idea that these things can pretty much float, like even if they're not powered, something about... Something about the lift core lets them stay buoyant in the air. Probably works on the same principle that keeps the Landbergs afloat. You know, sure, nobody understands that principle, but it's it's still the same principle. Um, so yes, you have two more dots to play with. You could, if you wanted, you could, you know, put one in comms and one in weapons uh, to kind of expand your, you know, cover your bases. Although by default, your ship won't have any weapons to start with. Um, so you'd need to pick an upgrade that also that also gives you those specific weapons. Uh, I can give you an example of like how this actually comes into play. Uh, so you have one rank in engines, right? Let's say you're facing against off against a faction that has, you know, general tier two quality. Um, you have one rank in engines, they're tier two, so you'll be at a slight disadvantage, which means you will roll with less effect by default. Uh, if you had two ranks in engines, you know, if you were trying to basically oppose them in a race or uh, anything speed related, anything where your engines would be the, the core component at play, you'd have standard effect. If you had three, you know, higher than their tier, then you would have great effect. And this also represents how much uh, damage those systems can can sustain before you know things start breaking. Well, my vote is put one into weapons. I think we should do one into weapons and one into comms. Yeah, I would say that seems appropriate. Okay. Good. One into weapons and one into comms. All right. So. After you decide what you want to improve, the GM will tell you about a faction that helped you get those improvements. They did you a favor. How did your crew respond? So let me pull out my little faction sheet here that I've been whittling on to try and distract myself during <laughs> during election anxiety. Because we're recording this and we still don't know anything that's going on. We think we know, but we don't really know. Um, <laughs> it's great. We're laughing about it, but we're not actually happy about it. No, we're not. We're very displeased. <laughs> um, okay, so you improved your weapons and your communications. Who would have helped you here? I think. I think. Yeah, this makes this makes too much sense not to do the the purple family. 
helped you with those uh with your your comms but especially with the weapons because the description that i have here for the purple family is they are skyship modders and racers who may or may not also be smugglers um so you can choose how to repay them um pay them off give them one cred in exchange for a job well done no strings attached nothing owed owe them one promise them you'll return the favor down the line when they ask and gain plus one status with them if you chose crew quality, you must take this option. You didn't choose it, so you have the choice. Stiff them. No need to pay a faction that doesn't demand payment up front. Take minus one status with that faction. Uh, and just like in Blades with the Dark, uh, Blades with the Dark, Blades in the Dark, uh, status goes from minus three, you're at war with somebody, to three, you are close allies with them. Uh, this system makes it a little bit slower to move... Um, to move past rank one um so if you want you can see on the faction sheet if you want to pull it up i can actually show it to everybody this is stuff you don't know um advancing for status negative one to zero is one job from zero to one one job from one to two two jobs from two to three three jobs and obviously we could fudge this a little if you know it's it's an especially big job or something goes wrong um but yes yeah, so starting off with one in a faction would mean they're friendly with you Starting off with minus one with a faction would mean they're uh, they're not openly hostile towards you, but they don't like you much. Uh, and starting off with zero in a faction is, you know, like, yeah, you you made an arrangement, you paid it, and everything's fine. You're pretty much neutral towards each other. So what kind of a relationship do you want to have with the purple family? I think it'd be cool if we owed them a favor. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that that would make for some interesting role play down the line. Cool. Yeah, I was thinking like Junkers Guild too, but I I don't think they'd be able to help you get weapons. I kind of like the Purple Family for for helping hook you up with more weapons. Uh, all right, so you keep your cred and you owe the Purple Family one. Now we choose a special ability. Choose one of the special abilities listed on your ship. If you can't decide which one to pick, go with the first one on the list. It's placed there as a good default choice. Uh, it's important to pick a special ability that everyone is excited about. You can get more special abilities in the future by earning crew XP. Well, I'm not interested in just passing through. I don't know if this is just, you know, um, bleed out from Blades in the Dark, but what's the point of playing if we don't start gang wars? So <laughs> <laughs> losing heat, that's less interesting to me. Um, I'm kind of looking at Cargo Eye. We talked about in the world building, you know, possibly exploring and finding magic tech and that might um be the most useful option for us but what are your thoughts i'm still thinking <laughs> quill well i was interested in just passing through but thankfully <laughs> i was also interested in cargo eye which i think could make for some very interesting finds so i would be happy with that no, that's not sensible. And that uh, extra gather info question is, is nice as well. So what does cred do again? Cred is uh, what you use to buy new stuff. Um, you can use it to buy new modules for your ship. You can use it to get more downtime activities on top of the ones that you get for free. Um, I think in our, in our setting, it probably represents, you know, uh, all kinds of different currencies and all kinds of different barter powers. I think maybe some of the merchant alliances uh, or the, the Asia Empire itself 
have some sort of, you know, exchange rates. So I'm not going to get on you for saying like, oh, you know, you got paid on this Landberg. They don't take this at that other Landberg. Um, <laughs> we can kind of abstract it so that, you know, cred is just generally like your, your economic standing. Okay. I think I'm in agreement with the cargo. I, I was looking at problem solvers just because it's like nice to have an additional action rating. Mm-hmm. But um, I think as a whole, cargo eye would be more beneficial to the group. Okay. Let's take cargo eye then. All right. So we have the special ability picks. Now we get to assign upgrades. In addition to the upgrades each ship comes with, comes with, you as a group get to add two additional upgrades. For example, you might pick the Cerberus' stun weapon upgrade and also the auxiliary armory module. That's a crew that loves their weapons. Uh, an upgrade is a valuable asset or system module that helps the crew in some way, such as an afterburner module or a shuttle. Each ship starts with pre-selected upgrades that are well-suited for that crew, such as the galley for the start answer or the brig for the Cerberus. And after you assign your two upgrades, I'll tell you about two factions impacted by your choices, but you don't need to worry about that yet. So the the sorts of upgrades you can get, um, you could upgrade how good you are at like training things, which would mean you get more XP when you when you train in that stat. Um, you could upgrade the kinds of crew gear you have. You know, if you wanted everybody to have their own personal uh, ships of some kind or gliders, maybe that could be fun. Uh, if you wanted to upgrade the ship itself, you can see the list of of um, uh, auxiliary things you can add. Um, and if you wanted to add a, a module like afterburners or some kind of weaponry you could use, um, then that would also be another one of the upgrades you could pick. Uh, and then there are ones that are specific to your just the um, specific to just your kind of ship. And let's see where they lift these. Oh yes, crew ship upgrades. It's right at the top there. Um, so only star dancer type ships can take false ship papers, dark hyperspace lane maps, which for our purposes I think would just be um, the uh, the Asia Empire kind of maintains lanes uh, from Landberg to Landberg that are that are safe. You know there aren't too many. Uh, weird weather conditions uh er errant spirits so you would know some ways that go around there that uh maybe aren't as safe but definitely aren't as likely to get you caught uh smugglers rigging which lets you take one carried item that's concealed and has no weight so it doesn't take up any any of your load you can spend both of your starting upgrades to have a lucky charm which would give you plus one starting gambit you already start with two so you'd have three gambits to start with that's pretty good you can't take Thrill Seekers yet because you need to spend three upgrades to get to it. And that would give you plus one stress box. Anything that's jumping out to anybody? Lucky Charm. <laughs> Lucky Charm is good. I will say that if you don't pick a weapon upgrade of some kind, I'll have to think about that. Let me let me look it, at... Uh... It probably would be very difficult to engage in combat if we don't invest more in weapons. But it's a Lucky yeah, Charm. Yeah, but you know... You don't have to be a fighting ship, you know? Like, there, I would say the majority of skyships don't have weapons. Uh, in fact, it would probably raise some eyebrows if you, if you know, they could see your weapons on there. They'd probably need to be concealed in some way. Or you would need to have your false papers to say, like, oh, no, no, we're, we're registered. It's good. My but heart yeah, I mean, says you know. pet. <laughs> 
<laughs> alien pet is a strong one. <laughs> Let me, uh, let's see. The, the description for alien pet is funny. Lovable rapscallion or loyal guardian. These critters are more trouble than they're worth. <gasps> so they just explicitly oh. say, like, they're just going to get you in trouble, but you love them anyway. I love it. <laughs> oh, I changed my answer. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I would leave it up to you to determine what kind of pet it was, if that's what you want to go with. Um, it would need to, you know, be a, be a pet, so not like a, not like a, some kind of giant thing that's going to like go run into battle for you, but uh, you know, something something probably large, dog size or smaller. Uh, how about Quell? What, what do you think? Uh, I'm taking a look, seeing what we have. Given uh, that we're this, we're this kind of smuggling ship, that we might be looking into some like strange spaces for some ancient artifacts, uh, mm-hmm. I was looking at things like uh, potentially survival gear might be a, a nice option. Um, mm, for sure. In case we're going anywhere where survival is not only not guaranteed, but is unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> and um, let's see looking at some other options we already have a cargo hold and smuggling compartments which is um so there's some uh, let's let's talk about comms especially because as i said we have to change things some uh i think fake transponder which can broadcast a different ship's signal or play a powerful recording or sensor echoes could maybe be some kind of magic that uh has a um there it would be like a dummy basically Maybe it doesn't even need to be exclusively magic. I think it could be um, a, like some kind of you know in in World War Two they did a lot where they'd like make fake tanks, which were like literally like balloons that they blew up that looked like tanks. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be something like that, um, and you know there could be some some magic to it to be able to let it move around a little on its own. Long range scanner that's telescopes you know lets you check people out before they're within visual range of you. Uh, nexus link so that for them is like how you hook up to the internet i think for me this would be what gives your ship semaphore flags and lets you kind of signal back to people and um you know communicate with folks at a distance or communicate with landbergs at a distance um quantum encryptor i think this would just be maybe encrypting those transitions more transmissions more and then targeting computer would probably be like um some kind of yeah, some kind of artifact that uh, helps, uh, that attunes to your weapons and kind of can do some of the targeting on its own. So, you know, just making all these things a little bit more magical. <laughs> um, but you don't need to pick any of those. I just wanted to bring those up since they needed a little a little love to make them work for us. Hmm. I also do like the idea of the dark hyperspace map. So having essentially knowledge of smuggling lanes, because uh, if that's what we're going to be doing, or if that's what we're set up for, it'd be good to have something that helps us do that well. Okay. Um, My playbook grants me a free genius pet, so we don't have to spend (laughs) our points on an alien pet. You don't want two pets? (laughs) Well, obviously, I want two pets, but I can wait and acquire the second one later if we we have to go that route. Fair. 
Oh, oh, something else I should add is, let's see here. Um, where is it? Crew quarters. Is it under hull? Uh, yes, crew quarters is under hull. Um, so you don't actually have a spot for it right now. Um, but you, you could change what which stuff you put where if you wanted to. If your ship doesn't have crew quarters, it means you're all sleeping in like shared bunks. So, you know, some central part of the ship uh, is the bunks. You have a spot where, you know, you can sleep for yourself. I think there's, there's so there's only three of you at the moment. You're probably not needing to like hot bunk it. But uh, like, you know, you don't have your own, you don't have your own room. Uh, you don't have your own nice little quarters. Um, so if that's important to you, fictionally speaking, crew quarters would be something to invest in. You'd need to move your, um, what, where you put your system upgrades a little bit. But, you know, you could, you could take one out of weapons or one out of comms if you wanted to do that. Just wanted you to be aware of what we're, what we're fictionally saying about the ship by not picking things, too. <laughs> well, Quill would not care particularly about having her own room. I mean, <laughs> she grew up an, an urchin. I mean, she didn't even have a room. Okay. So, uh, so I'm hearing some interest in dark hyperspace lane maps. Uh, I was hearing some interest in Lucky Charms. Can't go wrong with more gambits. If you pick that, that would be both of your upgrades. Uh, oh, uh, we have a mechanic on board. Mechanic might want to have a workshop. If you're planning on making a lot of stuff, that would help you make it more, both more easily and more cheaply. Because the other way to add quality to craft roll or to increase your craft roll if you didn't do well enough would be to spend credits. So in this case, you know, it'll just be a stock of stuff that you can use to to help your make your creations a little bit more smoothly. So what are what are folks thinking? What are we leaning towards? I think I'd rather have the workshop than the lucky charm. Okay. Yeah, I would probably go for the workshop and the dark hyperspace lines. Does that sound good, um, Myriad? Uh, yeah, I guess. I was just confused about how the weapons work. Like, do we need the weapons upgrade in order to actually have weapons? This is, I think it, it may be a little quirk here that, like, you know, if you don't have an upgrade that actually does something with the weapon modules. Okay, let's see. Let's hear what, let's see what they say here about weapon modules. Self-explanatory. Note that most non-military ships in the hegemony, which is their default setting, or are vast for us, are not armed. Obvious weapons can land you in trouble, though powered down and hidden armaments may be regularly overlooked. So they have uh, the Coherence Cannon, which is like a capital ship weapon. Uh, grappling hooks, which you could use to latch onto things or other uh, other ships. A mining drill, which you could use to mine through or drill through landbergs or other ships. Um, missiles, which are you know would probably be scrapped together <laughs> magic charges with some kind of uh, um, rocket on the back. Or particle cannons, which would be kind of in our case would be like caster cannons, which shoot magical charges at other weapons and damage them. So yes, I think if you don't have one of these modules, that one rank in that weapon isn't going to do you much. Because I, I, I don't think, like, I, I, I you know, I don't think you just have, like, little machine guns mounted on the side or something. <laughs> that seems weird. Um, so yeah, if you want, if you want to have that rank in weapons, you can still have it and kind of be ready for later. Um, or you could move it to something else if you prefer. 
Honestly, I would I would put it somewhere else. It sounds like a lot of ships don't have weapons, and I see our kind of ship as the type of ship that one wants we want to be able to go very very fast, not necessarily engage in fights, but like get out of fights very quickly. And two, mm-hmm. um, we don't want anything about our ship that's going to raise eyebrows. And if uh, having weapons would raise eyebrows, I mean, raising eyebrows seems like a bad way to go for a ship that's going to be containing smuggled cargo. <laughs> that's a good point. I'm sure you could find some way to conceal the weapons, but, you know, it's it's one more thing to worry about them catching you at. So if we put it into engines, that could help us get away quicker. Yes, exactly. You would be evenly matched for a... If a Tier 2 ship was te- uh, was chasing you, you know, a ship from a Tier 2 faction, then you'd be at an even match. Which... <laughs> And just for your reference, right now, I'm not planning on changing this. Protector and Affairs, which are the closest thing to cops around here, they are Tier 2. So we can outrun the cops. This is it's, this is the early days of NASCAR right here. <laughs> You'll never catch us coppers. <laughs> um, and then if you wanted to be even faster, you could have one of your upgrades be Afterburners, which, uh, let's see engine afterburners dumps raw fuel into the engines for a short burst of speed may treat engines as one higher rating for a roll but it may damage them uh, you don't need to have that just some of the that's us climbing out on the hood of our ship and spitting gas right into it yep <laughs> <laughs> i mean ideally you have some system for that but like if you want the, if you want that to be how it goes i'm not gonna stop you <laughs> so we're moving the dot from weapons over into engines is that what we yeah. want to do? I mean, that's what I would probably vote for. Yeah. Gotta go fast. <laughs> it's key. It's key to this whole operation that we go fast. No, that makes a lot of sense. So, uh, we have the dark hyperspace lane maps and the workshop. Does that sound good? That's what I would vote for. Yep. All right. And I'm just going to rename, rename them to... Uh, What'd you call them before, Quell? Oh, the maps. Uh, smuggling lanes. Smuggling lane maps. Yeah. Hopefully, it doesn't say that on the map. No, I don't think the smuggling <laughs> lane maps would have smuggling lane written on the top. <laughs> <laughs> wall. No, it's gonna be it's gonna be something <laughs> like some some like you know universities weather research areas. There you go. Uh, Alright, so after you assign your two upgrades, the GM will tell you about two factions impacted by your choices. One faction helped you get an upgrade. The other faction was screwed over when you got an upgrade. So let's see. We have these papers. Um, and we have the workshop. Alright. So the papers, again, the obvious one is the purple family, but we already have one there. I'm not going to say you like I don't really want to start you at two with them, and I don't want to say you screwed them over just so I dropped you back to zero. Hmm, I think, yeah, let's 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 lean into it. Let's lean into the the, the bootleggers thing. Uh, the you screwed over Protectorate Affairs in getting the uh, the maps because they uh, it was probably like a, a a bust of some kind. Or like, actually, I can leave this to you to to describe. Protectorate Affairs, they're like Sky Cops, right? They don't have tons of, a ton of jurisdiction on the island, or on the Landbergs. They're not islands, they're Landbergs. 
Um, <laughs> but they have some. So how do you think you would have gotten that uh, a map from them, these these cool smuggling maps from them, while kind of screwing them over in the process? Well, I think... Oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. Um, I was thinking maybe they were using these maps to catch other smugglers. And uh, perhaps we had maybe gotten caught and gotten away and in our getaway we grabbed these maps mm, that makes a lot of sense all right so you will get minus two status with them by default you can spend one cred to mollify them and take minus one status with them instead you start off with two cred and you still have both of them so what do you think do you want to mollify them a little or do you want to be uh start off at minus two with protectorate affairs leave at minus two that'll be way more interesting if we have somebody already <laughs> I like the chaos yeah yep. let's go for it go hard the cops don't like us you know what you're smugglers that sounds right <laughs> uh, alright one faction helped you get an upgrade and the, this upgrade was the workshop let's see well the junkers guild would make sense the children of the wire would make sense do you see your character is having had any dealings with the Children of the Wire, which is this sort of, um, well, uh, just to explain for the, the listeners, uh, in our Microscope game, this was kind of one of the first groups that helped with the with, to uh, understand technology. They didn't really, uh, they weren't like widely disseminating it. They were kind of trying to be more like judicious and deliberate about it. Um, but they were, you know... They were still kind of the the knowledge was somewhat spreading out, and you know the the understanding of these this old technology from before was being increased by the children of the wire, and they uh, they eventually grew to be somewhat powerful uh, with the rise of the Asia Empire. That um, they kind of uh, fell quite a bit, and right now they're they're mo nearly extinguished. You still find followers here and there, but they don't. Uh, they probably don't talk about it that openly with the the empire, you know. They're they're still here or there uh, with little little cloisters and whatnot. Um, but do you see you as having had any dealing with them as a as a mechanic? Um, I actually or... do think that um, where she's from, uh, the activity there is a little bit more prominent than other landbergs. Um, I always imagine that people who practiced, you know, the faith from the Children of the Wire would probably name their children, you know, like Flint, Copper. Um, so I imagine that, like, she comes from a family lineage of people who used to practice or maybe perhaps still do practice um, the teachings of the Children of the Wire. Okay. So maybe some of the stuff you have in your workshop here is, like, handed down from, like, old... Uh, oh, old... yeah, I love that. Okay. Uh, so, they like you, and you get plus one status with them. At your option, spend one cred to repay their kindness and take plus two status with them instead. So, you probably had, a, uh, like, a handheld kit, you know, stuff that you could carry around, but when you were setting up a ship, maybe as you were, like, getting ready to leave town, the, the, the whoever was, you know, your your local representative of the Children <laughs> of the Wire helped, uh, helped kit you out a little bit more. So do you want to leave it at plus one status or repay their kindness and take plus two? I'll keep it at plus one. Okay. So we assigned our upgrades. Now we choose a favorite contact. Uh, take a list. Take a look. 
at the list of potential contacts on the ship sheet, although all the contacts are your friends and allies, one is closer to the crew than others. Choose one contact who is a close friend, longtime ally, or partner in crime. The GM will tell you about two factions that are impacted by your choice. So here we have, uh, under the contacts here, these are just the defaults we can come up with the others you know replace some with others if we um if the the spirit moves us but uh this is a pretty good list to start with you have takala a dock master uh allure a keen-eyed bar keen-eared barkeep uh hiani a tugboat captain raka a diplomat or chitani a reclusive info broker i'm leaning toward chitani because i don't know if we're going to be constantly going into the same dock you know, mm-hmm. or the same area, which makes me think like, okay, uh, you know, a dock master, well, a dock master would be wonderful for a group of smugglers who are kind of based out of one area because a dock master could totally help you bring your smuggled uh, goods onto the landberg. Uh, you know, they might not necessarily be great if we're going to different landbergs and different docks. So yeah, I would say, I would say Chitani would be great <laughs> or, um, you know, Allure might be interesting, the Keenyard Barkeep. So those would be the two I'm probably most interested in. I kind of like the idea of a Keenyard Barkeep. It's classic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but my brain also imagines that the bar that Allure runs is like traveling. Yeah, I mean, it could be on its own skyship, right? Oh, yeah. that'd be wonderful. Oh, I love it. Uh, yeah, I like that a lot too. Um, just kind of this drifting skyship bar that goes from Landberg to Landberg, you know, uh, they try to like, uh, (laughs) shove all the drunks off before they move from one to the next. Sometimes they don't and somebody wakes up very confused. Um, (laughs) but yeah. Okay. Let's go with, uh, Allure, a keen-eared barkeep. Okay. So one faction is also friendly with this contact. You get plus one status with them. Keen-eared barkeep. Junkers Guild. Junkers go all over the place. And they would totally be the sort who'd be like, I just spent a long day nearly getting killed on a landberg. Time to go get some (laughs) drink on. Yep, and they're the closest one because they're the only uh, bar that's down this far. Yep. Um, Alright, one faction is unfriendly with this contact and you get minus one status with them. There might be old slights, current grievances, or only or even materials held against the contact they're keen to reclaim. Uh, I think I'd like to give you a minus, because you already have that minus two with protector affairs. I think I'd give you, like to give you a minus on one of these independents. Hmm. I could see Vast Chronicle and Semaphore, uh, who are uh, handle communication between landbergs. Um, they have in more developed landbergs that have facilities somewhat resembling printing presses. They print out papers. Uh, in landbergs where that's not available, they have like town criers. Um, so I could see that being, you know, the barkeep, the keen-eared barkeep. Uh, maybe not uh, not agreeing with their their angles they take. The Kenyard Barkeep purposely feeds them misinformation. Because, you know, what's the point of being your being a, a Kenyard Barkeep if everybody knows all the information, right? Right? <laughs> exactly. And, and maybe they just like to mess with them sometimes because they take it all too seriously. Uh, okay. So you have a minus one of Vast Chronicle and Semaphore. 
Uh, now we update our ship info. A ship has to pay upkeep fees every downtime or risk damages parts wear out. To calculate your upkeep costs, add your crew quality, which is zero, to all system quality ratings and divide by four running down. So we got our ship. One, two, three, four, five, divide by four rounding down, that's one. So you will need to pay one cred to do general upkeep on your ship uh, with every downtime, or else, uh, you know, you're going to start pushing it a little bit too much. Stuff's going to start wearing out. But, you know, you have ways to get by without that, especially with Mechanica board. Uh, and, yeah, okay. So we have all of the, the hard stuff there. Uh, does anybody have any ideas for a name for the ship if they want or kind of what it looks like just to kind of throw out the mood board for ships i think i think many of them look like a bunch of scrap together kinds of different technology i think in the early days uh like the golden age of sky ships as we said in our microscope game they might have looked more like sailing ships from you know the golden age of sail wood and rope rope rigging and that kind of thing these days i think um as more artifacts are discovered, the Landbergs are working more with, you know, metallurgy in some senses. Uh, I really like the ship design for Mega Man Legends, which are these just, like, really big... They almost look like robot whales with, like, rails on top and nice flat decks. Uh, I like that a lot. Um, I also like kind of early 20th century ships where they had, you know, the smokestacks weren't quite so big um but they still had that uh they didn't they didn't look modern you know they still had some of those kind of more classic elements to them we don't have to decide on this right now but if anybody has any any visions in their mind on their mind's eye of what the ship looks like we gotta name the ship guys <laughs> <laughs> apparently when i say we'll name our crew next session i'm a liar so um <laughs> yeah we gotta nip yeah. this one in the bud i'm just thinking about various whale names since you mentioned whales shamu <laughs> no <laughs> willie oh uh, i was thinking more like types of whales like the beluga oh, yeah. the humpback the the <laughs> i love the beluga kind of uh it's a very cute name for a ship. The Beluga. I feel like the Beluga is very cute and unassuming, and we could get away with a lot of stuff that way. <laughs> do we have, and I mean, we are a smuggler ship, so like we have a lot of points in hold, so do we just have like a chunky little ship? Yes, it's very chunky. This is our chunky ship, the cool. Beluga. <laughs> Uh, I'm just looking at pictures of beluga whales now, and they Aww. smile. <laughs> this. I'm gonna sh I'm gonna share it in the Discord. I'm going to put it in game pics. <laughs> it's smiling. <laughs> <laughs> so we could go with the beluga if we want. That that, does, that sounds good to me. Oh, that is so cute. It's so happy. Look at it. It's like having the best day ever. It's like laughing. It's getting sun on its face. Good day to be a whale. <laughs> so yeah, we can go with the beluga for now. If anybody uh, has a, a flash of something they'd rather have it uh, be called, then that's fine. Uh, and for the the look, is it somewhat like uh, like a tubby metal whale? Is that something? Yep, that that's where that's where my mind went. <laughs> All right. Okay, I think that is 
everything that we need to get set here. Oh, oh one thing I should tell you is um, for this game, we're going to be on top of modding in our own setting. Uh, we're going to continue the modding by using a uh, the cut loose and connections rules from Beam Saber, which is another Forged in the Dark game instead of um, Vice. So one thing I'll ask you to do as we go on break is just to think of one belief that your character has about your crewmates, uh, your respective crewmates. So each of you will need to think of just two beliefs, one for each of the other one. And it could be anything, you know, just stuff that you think they would have, um, that in the course of working together, they would have come to think about them. It doesn't have to be true. <laughs> it just has to be what you think about them something you think about them to get start with, started with. And if these beliefs get you into trouble, or you know they come into play in a prominent way, that's another way to get yourself XP. 